Our second lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 14. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the one that happens to be in the pews. Together, let us listen for the Word of God. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So listening is both a skill and an art. Writer Marie Park tells the story of visiting her mother along with her sister. Their mother was recovering from surgery, and the daughters thought an outing to get lunch and see a movie would be good for everyone's spirits. She writes, After lunch, my sister said, Borat is on. Do y'all want to go to the movie? Mama said, No, I have to go to the grocery store. Before lunch, Mama had agreed to go to the movie with us. After a minute, I said, Mama, what movies are on? Mama said, well, Borat, The Queen. She listed the other movies. So I said, Mama, if we went to see The Queen, would you be available to go to the movies? She was, and we did. Sasha Baron Cohen was not something my mother would waste her time and attention on, Since my sister and I would waste our time on him, we were told indirectly but clearly that if we were rude enough to come to town to cheer her up and pick a distasteful movie, she would rather go to the grocery store. It was easy enough to know what Mama thought, if you were listening. Apparently over the years, Park had learned to listen and hear what her mother was actually saying Teaching children to pay attention and listen is one of the most challenging tasks parents, teachers, and caregivers face. Teaching adults to listen may actually pose more of a challenge. In grade school, I remember a rule where no one could raise her hand while someone else was speaking. The point was that if I had my hand raised, I would be thinking about what I was planning to say rather than than listening to my classmates. Even now, there are times when I keep my hand in the air when someone else is speaking, even if only metaphorically. There are days when all it takes is one word from the other person, and my mind starts racing ahead to my response, especially when I'm convinced I can anticipate what the person is going to say or that there's nothing new to hear. 
In today's text, Jesus has just returned from his temptation in the desert. We meet him in Nazareth, his hometown. Apparently word has spread about Jesus. He's been teaching in synagogues and now arrives at his home church, so to speak, and stands up to read. Someone showing up and reading in the worship service may seem a bit odd or even presumptuous, although I am happy to share, so if anybody feels so led. But it was customary for various people to read in the synagogue, so Jesus is not doing anything terribly unusual. We're told that everyone had been praising the hometown kid. The people seem to be impressed with and proud of this young man who is one of their own. So they seem eager to hear what he has to say. On this particular day, Jesus chooses to read a familiar text from Isaiah, as was the custom he stands up to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Up until this moment, Jesus has not really done anything that unusual, but those in the synagogue seem to recognize that something is afoot. The eyes of all are fixed on him. They're riveted by him. They hang on his every word. Then he sits down and begins to teach, to interpret what he's just read. And as Jesus interprets this text, something new is happening Jesus is far more direct than Marie Park's mother. There's no need to read between the lines. In Jesus' voice, Isaiah's words no longer point to long-ago glory days or to a far-off future event. These words speak to this moment. These words are new again now. Today, he says, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Right now. Like any inauguration address, this one offers an agenda. In reading and interpreting this text the way he does, Jesus reveals God's agenda for his ministry. That's no small thing. This is no ordinary agenda. This is God's agenda. It's always been God's agenda, but Jesus gives the agenda new life. Jesus comes to bring good news to the poor, those who are lacking in any way, whether they be poor in spirit, poor in finances, poor in resources, status, support, or family. The poor here describes anyone who finds herself or himself outside the bounds of God's family, beyond hope of salvation until now. And the language of release takes on a broader meaning as well. The Greek word used here for release is used only five times in Luke. Twice of those instances are in this passage. The other times it's used as part of the phrase forgiveness of sin. So clearly Luke understands Jesus to mean freedom from all that would oppress God's children or hold them captive. This holy agenda is nothing new, but here we're invited to hear it in a new way. In worship each week, when the lay reader and I finish reading scripture, we say the word of the Lord, and you respond, thanks be to God, exactly. Sorry, not a pop quiz, not intended to be a trick question. 
A few years ago, another church where I worship on occasion introduced an additional litany that comes before Scripture is read. The reader first says, listen for the word of God, and the congregation responds, our ears are open. At first, it felt a little odd and more than a bit awkward, but now, at least when I'm there, it's grown on me. I like the idea that we say we're intentionally opening our ears to hear God's word anew. I think it helps me put my hand down, or I hope it does. I hope I'm listening. Because hearing God's word carries more weight than simply paying attention, catching every syllable, and taking good notes. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. On the church calendar, we are in the season of Epiphany, the time when Jesus' true identity is being revealed. The beginning of Epiphany, when the kings bring the gifts, we learn that Jesus, even as a baby, is King of Kings. And last week at Cana, we and the disciples were reminded that Jesus is truly God's Son, capable of things beyond our wildest imaginings. And we were invited to be a part of all that God intends to do and redeem in Jesus. We were encouraged to fill buckets and set the stage for Christ's abundance to overflow. And today, the text Jesus quotes from Isaiah fleshes out what his ministry is about. But that last verse may reveal even more about who he is and what God intends for him and for us. Because today, we are reminded again that Jesus does not come to minister alone. Today, we're reminded again that Jesus' ministry is about relationship. You remember, of course, the old philosophical question about a tree falling in the forest. If no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Here, Jesus insists that the fulfillment of God's agenda is incomplete if it falls on deaf ears. In hearing and embracing Jesus and his ministry, we enter into relationship with him. We invest ourselves in following where he leads, but first we have to listen. And the ministry to which we're called may look different than it did in Jesus' day. Some of the particulars have changed. We live with streaming equipment and boilers and budgets and light bills and newsletters. We share space with a preschool. We host Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and Al-Anon and Mothers of Murdered Offspring. We work with Cooperative Christian Ministries, Opportunity House, and Rise Against Hunger, just to name a few. And while these specific ministries may not be mentioned in the Gospels, all of them spring faithfully out of our call to live as God's kingdom people here and now. They bring good news of release and new hope of freedom and new life. So we have been listening, but there's still listening work to be done. And as we move together into a new year, these words of Jesus serve as an important check on who we are now and where, who we long to be. They also remind us that God is not finished with us. And more significantly, that God is not finished with God's kingdom If I am to follow faithfully, I still need to lower my hand from time to time and listen again and again for God's intentions, to listen again to Christ's invitation, because I have not heard it all before. Not really. 
nor can I be sure exactly where Christ is urging me to be part of his kingdom work now and in the days ahead if I don't listen. The kingdom is a work in progress, as am I, as are we. And kingdom work is hard work, but by the power of the Spirit, our work out there is continually renewed by returning here to worship. Gathered for worship, we listen as God's word is read, and by God's grace, we hear God's word faithfully proclaimed. In worship, we help one another hear God's word together. And that together piece is crucial. It matters. When Jesus says that the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing... Your refers to the gathered community, all y'all, together. You and I know that there are multiple voices that demand our attention. These voices advocate for countless agendas, insisting that theirs is the most crucial And if I'm not careful, I become one of those voices. It is seductively easy for me to walk around with my hand up, at least metaphorically, thinking that my agenda is urgently important, believing that I am right and insisting that my voice must be heard. And with my mind so full of what I want to say, I risk missing what Jesus has to say. So it is good, crucial even, for me to stop, drop my hand, and listen to him first, and last, and always. Because, dear friends, the great good news is that in the thick of debates and divides, the Spirit of God is still at work making all things new, and God in Christ wants us to be part of this new thing. Jesus is calling us to be his body in and for the world here and now. A rich and faithful past has shaped us. A hopeful future lies ahead of us. In that synagogue that day, Jesus dares to invite God's quirky, hand-raising, gifted and beloved children to hear God's word anew and to embrace God's ancient agenda in a new way. And here today, Jesus dares to invite us, God's quirky, hand-raising, gifted, and beloved children, to hear God's word and embrace God's ancient agenda in new ways here and now. But first, we're invited to do the holy work of lowering our hands, opening our ears, and listening to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.